All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. We'd love you to support this show. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Your likes and subscription helps us to grow and attract interviews and content. So please retweet and share our posts. Your contributions are appreciated. Greetings and welcome to episode 431 of the KISS FAQ podcast. I am your host this week, Mark Anthony K. Marcus Almighty on the board. And this week I'm joined by the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard. Ken, how are you today? Good, thanks. And St. Louis KISS, Lonnie, how are you, my friend? Good, how are you guys doing? Good to, good to see you guys. Good. Now, before we start today's episode, I just want to take a minute here to acknowledge the passing of a musical legend, in my opinion. This could be up for debate, but I don't care what anybody thinks. In my eyes, he's always been uh, a legend, in especially the thrash, thrash music scene. Uh, Gord Piledriver Kirchen has passed away today uh, due to lung cancer complications, from what I understand. Um, I spent five years in Piledriver. They were known then as the exalted Piledriver for copyright reasons or whatever bullshit that was going on then. But uh, I've always said that Gord was one of the one of the smartest people I've ever met when it came to music. I could talk on the phone with the guy for four hours and not even realize that long had passed. We could talk about Zappa. We could talk about all kinds of stuff. And he was a wealth of knowledge. He was a great songwriter. He was a good friend. He was a very personable guy very hard on his sleeve type of guy as well uh but when he got into that pile driver character on stage wow watch out you know he was somebody totally different but in a cool way uh the five years i spent in the band with him were times i'll never forget luckily was it gord was a guy who filmed everything that he did so i have a wealth of dvd footage of me in the band uh, we toured across america we went into Europe and the European tour was something I'll never forget because it was such a fantastic time in my first ever sort of tour of Europe that I did. So I'd be always grateful to Gord for having me come in the band and uh, asking me to join the band and uh, rest in peace, my friend. Uh, you're gone way too early like many people are uh, at these times I'm noticing. So I hope the journey to the other side is fun, peaceful and go jam with Jimmy and the guys, okay? Hmm. <laughs> okay, so mm. with that said, um, let's go on to the news of the day for KISS stuff. But before we do that, why don't we go over to our good friend Lonnie and see if you can whip up a couple of comments from the last episode that we did. Well, you guys stirred up some comments last week. I couldn't join you guys, unfortunately. I wanted to talk about a little crazy nights, but um, you guys <laughs> did have some comments on the YouTube page. The YouTube page... For those listening and watching, generates a good deal of comments. Hmm. Um, Sylvie Ruse, Ruse, what Ross Ruse? Ruse, hmm? Ruse says <laughs> that. Kidding, I'm always. I'm never. Don't ever take me seriously. I've always loved Crazy Nights, but then again, I've always loved Bon Jovi, Heart, and Ozzy's albums from Ron Nevison. I have warm feelings about Crazy Nights because they performed on the Monsters of Rock Festival in Holland. And although they were not headlining, Iron Maiden was, they gave us a great performance. 
at the same month, we went to London with 50 people from the Dutch Kiss Army and had a meet and greet with the band for free. Lovely memories. Hmm. Nice. I thought that was a very good comment. Um, Jay May says, I love Crazy Nights. I loved Crazy Nights when it came out. No shame here. Mark, you're doing a great job. Do you think Rob Zombie should remake Phantom? Yeah, you never know. Could you imagine him doing Phantom at the park? That would be... Could you imagine what kind of spin he would put on that? I'd say, you, know, you never know. It would be an interesting thing. And knowing his relationship with the Kiss guys, you never know. You know, it's asking that because of the, he's doing that. Monsters. The Monsters movie. Right? I do want to watch. I do want to see that. It looks like I, it's going to be I, interesting. I love, I love it's more like the old Monsters from the sixties. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be kind of funny and supposed to be tongue in cheek, like the old Monsters. That'd be nice. Atomic says, "I like long episodes. Mm. Thank you for making a great, interesting show for us." Yeah, we ran longer. I, I noticed a couple of people. Julie's not here to rein us in. I think yeah, yeah. A couple of people have stuff. said that they like the longer episodes. Some, some of them. Uh, so. So. <laughs> Much to That's Gord's right. dismay, I'm sure. Uh, Gord, uh, Julian's, sorry. I guess length does spoke. matter sometimes. So. Mm. And Tatiana Bell, one last one, says, Tatiana Bell says, way too many other great records were released around the time Crazy Nights came out. To name a few, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, White Snake, Motley Crue, Black Sabbath, Errol Smith, Rush, King Diamond, Anthrax, Pre-Maze, Ozzy Osbourne. She goes on for a little bit. It's more than a few. Kiss, Kiss was outsold. Kiss was outsold by their opponent's ex. Mm-hmm. For, for crying out loud, I saw the tour with Ted Nugent opening, and it was great. At that point in their career, there was no life in the band, in my honest opinion. That's true. A lot of people have said that that Crazy Nights tour. Although yeah. I didn't see it, although although we all know Ken did because you know Ken's hash, hashtag blessed amongst us has seen all these stories that we didn't get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but but she does bring up a great Tatiana does bring up a good point about about GNR, Def Leppard, White Sake, Motley Crue, Aerosmith, all those classic bands were releasing albums mm-hmm. at that time. I mean, there was a I mean 1987. I mean you can you can just look at all the albums mm-hmm. that came out there, and it's. It's mind-boggling. There's also there's I don't know if you guys have seen this like on on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. There's a there's a little picture and it shows like Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion One, Two, and it shows Ozzy, No More Tears, and Metallica, and Nirvana, Nevermind, and Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it says all these albums came out and it was Pearl Jam Tens in there too. Like, all these albums came out within like 50 days of one another. Like that's Jeez. crazy. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. That is that is crazy. Yeah. The funny thing is that none of us realized at that time right. what these albums would have been like, what the impact they would be like 20 years later on us, you know? At that True. time, they were just like, hey, there's some new albums coming out, man. Do you hear this new band? It's fucking awesome, you know? Yeah. And that's about it, you know? But if we would have known back then how classic these records would have been, wow. I mean, we would have been felt blessed at the time, you know? Yeah. 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 Great. So thank okay. you very much, Bonnie, for doing that, for sharing some comments. And of course, we... Uh, say all the time for you guys to uh, leave comments and this is no exception for this episode as well feel free to leave your comments and I'm sure you will once you know what we're going to be talking about but before we get to the topic let's talk about a bit of KISS news so KISS played 
West Palm Beach yesterday, September 21st, at the I Think Financial Amphitheater. Uh, according to Ken, there's a, there was speculation because of weather, whether or not they were going to actually do this show. But there was also something else that happened at this show that was very head-scratching. How about filling us in, uh, Voice of Reason, on what happened? Yeah, well, you know, it was in danger of being canceled again, I guess, for the third time or whatever. But because of lightning, thunder, that sort of thing, they, they said take shelter or whatever, or shelter in place. Um, so, but they finally got it going again. Um, and, you know, the the painter came out, did his thing. And then Kiss played, and, and I guess Kiss did not, uh, they cut three songs out of the um, set list. One being Deuce, which hmm. is... How could you even get rid of Deuce? You know, I was like, I can hear you go from what I read. I can hear Julian falling on the floor off <laughs> yeah. his chair. Yesterday. I mean, that's that's what I I'm, I hope you know. I'm I'm guessing that's true because that's what I read it. Of course, on the Kiss MAQ, but you read it on the internet, so I read it on the internet. It must yeah. be true. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other ones were, I think, Say Yeah and um, uh, what did I say? The other one was the third one. Tears was, are falling. Tears, Tears are, are falling. falling. Yeah, I believe. So. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, that's too bad. I guess there know? are curfews and things like that. But... It's, it's got to, yeah, it's got to be partly due to the curfew. Um, <clears throat> or do you, think, do you think it could have been one of these things where just before they started, Paul runs over to Gene and goes, hey, Gene, I think there's still some fucking lightning out there. How about we cut a couple songs and get the hell out of here? <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Possible we just... as well, possible as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, I, I don't know. They, they had... Yeah, I, I would have definitely said that if they were doing their old uh, destroyer stage with the lightning bolts and stuff. Yeah, you know, the, that thing is like a conductor, man. That was, you're asking for it, you know, if uh, a thunderstorm is around. But anyway. So I, I think they're playing Louisville, like this Louder Than Life festival um, coming up, and they have a, a show in Sacramento. In Sacramento. Aftershock. Right, Aftershock. Yeah. So I... So before before we really get going on on our main topic, I just a little speculation, you know. Do you think? Do you think there, there's been no talk of a final show? Mm-hmm. There's been no talk. You know, I I know we got the cruise coming up in October. You know, they, they have one show announced in Japan, which I think is very odd that we have one show announced in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, are we gonna go all the way to Japan for one show? I think that's mm. kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what are your what are your guys' thoughts? What's what's gonna happen in twenty twenty three, real quick before before we get going into our topic? Will Kiss do a run through America? Will Kiss go back to Europe? What what are, what are your guys' thoughts? And I'll give mine. Well, uh, I got a feeling that they're not saying anything because they're still. I think they're still trying to iron out the last show. I think they're still in negotiation. I think they want to have the final big bang. I think they want to bring in the the guys to do it. And I think they're playing hardball. I think they're saying, no, nah, man, fuck that. If you want me there, then I want this, this, and this. And you know what? I think they kind of feel that they're that they're the ones who are holding the cards this time, because if they don't play, then that's no skin off their back. But it's not going to look good for a kiss that they ended without bringing the other guys in there. And they know that, right? So that's a little bit more of a negotiation thing on their end that they can use. Now, whether or not, you know, I could be totally wrong. This is just my speculation. You know, will they do another run of America to keep the negotiations going? Because the last thing they want to do is just say, okay, the last couple of shows are coming up and then we're done. 
And he'll be like, well, what the fuck happens at a big last show? So I think they're trying to keep this rolling until they finally get this ironed out. And I, I guarantee you, the minute they announce it, that's the end of any new dates coming and then the, the end of any kind of touring coming. Yeah, I mean, uh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I don't know what they're doing as far as negotiating and stuff like that, but uh, I all I know is they had said that uh, there's 100 more dates that they were adding or whatever that Gene had said <laughs> some months ago, like a few months ago. He said that. I'm sure he got that from doc i'm i'm assuming so i'm assuming they're gonna they're gonna hit some more spots in the u.s again next year that's again the speculation it's my guess uh they're gonna play dates in the u.s again that uh they haven't played on the last three years some of these other amphitheaters and things like that so i'm hoping I'm hoping they come to the one near me, uh, which they've played before, that they haven't played since, you know, 2000, I think when Motley Crue opened for them, um, you know, 2015 or whatever it was. Um, so I'm hoping they play Concord um, as one of those type shows, if they're going to do that. Um, there may be some other Canadian dates or something like that, possibly, too. I don't know. Um, but... I think they're going to stretch it out through the whole next year and uh, end it at the end of next year. That's my guess. <laughs> I, I I think you're right, Ken. I, I think we're going to hold up for a 50th anniversary celebration <clears throat> at the very end. And then they can legitimately say we've been, we've been together 50 years. Although they're going to start saying they're, although Kiss's math has never been very great. I mean, <laughs> But, that's an understatement but... right but i i think that i i i can see another run of of u.s dates coming um a lot of these a lot of the i mean they've played they're playing like three shows in north america this fall they played like maybe three shows in north america in the spring like kind of some makeup dates i don't there, there's a reason they're only playing a half a dozen or so shows in america this year I really think there's a reason and that they're building up a little a little equity so to so to speak so that we can go out and sell big one one last time. Mm-hmm. It's been 2019 since we really toured North America. So let's get one more run in and let's get one more big cash grab before we call it a day. I mean it is kiss. I mean we we we're all sitting here smiling and laughing about yeah. it. But it is kiss. Let's let's get one more big cash grab before we call it a day. And I think they look at the success that Motley and Def Leppard and Poison had on this stadium tour, and I think they're a little jealous. And I, you know, I I, I don't know what kind of mm-hmm. and maybe maybe it's a package deal they come back with and they can they can do a big stadium type of run. Mm-hmm. I really don't know, but I think that there's something going on. One that they're only that they've only done a few North American shows this year, and two that we still haven't gotten anything about any kind of possible date. And I think Mark's right though too to a certain extent that that I think negotiations are hard with with Ace and Peter that we don't want this end of the road just to kind of putter out. Mm-hmm. I think we want this end of a road to. I mean, it's Kiss. We we want it to go out at the height and at you know at the mightiest that it could possibly be. So I think there are some negotiations going on behind the scenes with 
with an ace or a peter. I, I don't think necessarily there's hard ne- negotiations going on with the Bruce Kulik, because I think Bruce is going to have the same attitude. He's always had, like, if you want me to come, you know, just let me know, and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, that's just kind of the guy, humble type of guy that Bruce Kulik is. But yeah. obviously with Ace and Peter, it's, it's a different story. And, you know, to, you know, to each their own. I mean, Ace and Peter, you know, they're founding members of the band, and they and they deserve um, everything that they can get, in my opinion. Yeah, I d- definitely agree. So it will, it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, now, with that said, speaking of anniversaries and stuff like that, because we just said, you know, maybe it'll be a 50th anniversary run. We did go through a rather interesting anniversary. Uh, we did talk about it last week, which was Crazy Nights. But somebody else who celebrated uh, the, this anniversary was Mr. Bruce, Bruce Kulik, who put up a rather fantastic 16-minute video on his YouTube channel, which was edited uh, by our good friend Andrew Scambati, uh, who did a great job, by the way, on that, and uh, talking about his time during the Crazy Nights tour and making of the album. Uh, really great stuff. I really thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Have you guys watched it? What did you guys think? Uh, yeah. Lonnie? Right. I, I have not yet. Um Sorry. I, what? Uh, it's okay. I, I have not yet. I, it's on my agenda to do this weekend. Um, I, I have not. It's been a little bit of a crazy week. Sometimes I'm I'm lucky to squeeze in the show, as you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a nice voiceover uh, and a lot of you know images and video and and and, and uh, Bruce talking about you know the the time. Uh, recording crazy nights and they play a lot of the crazy nights you know snippets of the crazy night songs from the album um but yeah it's a nice um a nice tribute to to that period of time in in that album so and excuse me that was kudos for andrew kudos to andrew though too (laughs) all right but then yes uh yeah it was it was cool I thought it was a nice little, you know, video. Absolutely. So uh, one last thing to talk about. Uh, you might notice that there was an episode 430 that went up uh, quietly the other night. Uh, Catman Adventures at New York, at New Jersey, excuse me, Horror Con. Uh, Julian spoke to our good friend Andy, who attends a lot of these conventions, and Peter Chris was in attendance to it. Um, an interesting thing. Uh, ironically enough, is that I had just done an interview, uh, starting a new segment on my own YouTube channel, which is called uh, Mark Anthony K Talks With, and I interviewed a, a gentleman named Dylan, who's called the Vinyl Spinner on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he had just come back from that convention as well and had his debut Kiss album signed by Peter Chris. So I just found it kind of ironic that Julian had done this episode and posted it as well. Have you guys? watch that i haven't had a chance yet to watch it but i will be probably watching it after i'm done this uh ken have you watched it i watched a little bit of it uh i, I started i got about halfway through and then i had, had to stop but uh yeah it was you know it's interesting this the story of of uh andy's adventures you know um mm-hmm. he always has a lot of uh, interesting stories and things to tell about his his conventions and shows and things he's been to like that so but yeah yeah it's it was worth a worth a listen what about you lonnie 
I have not yet. It's on my it's on my listening plan. Another one. Oh yes, you have the the I busy the week. Night. I want the crazy nights. Got to add it. Things I need to listen to this weekend. Okay, that's two now. <laughs> some yard work. Like <laughs> well, you're you're forgiven. I mean, we know where it has to come first, so no no worries That's about right. that. Yes, the best. <clears throat> All right. So now that we got that taken care of and out of the way, let's move on to this week's fantastic topic. Now we're talking about anniversaries and stuff, and September being the month of plenty. Usually, you think one would think October with Thanksgiving and stuff like that, but the horn of plenty. But the Horn of Plenty for Kiss is the month of October because we've had so many records that come out during the time of, of, of September, excuse me, uh, that we decided to pick another one to talk about. And that is the solo albums. Now I'm showing the best of the solo albums, but this is, of course, the four solo records put out in 1978 by the boys. I also have here, just for sake of showing, here's my U.S. copy of the Ace Freely one. I also busted out my Japanese Paul Stanley nice. one with that cool little OB of his face yeah, there. I have a Gene Simmons Japanese. Yeah. Uh, I do as well. Uh, I have this one here, but this is I don't have the OB for this one. It didn't come with the OB, oh, but no. it is a Japanese one. If you look at the back, you'll see that the label does say. Mm -hmm. And last, of course, is Peter Chris. I don't. Peter I, I got Peter. There you go. I even got the OB there. All right. So you hate Gene Simmons. Well, yeah, probably. Well, that's no. Oh, <laughs> whoa. Uh, wow. I, I, let's put it this way. And we'll get to that. We'll, we'll talk about what our favorite records are and stuff like that. I don't, uh -huh. I don't hate them. I, in fact, I don't hate any of them. But let's save that for the conversation. So. Let's start off where these conversations usually start off with. What was your introduction to these solo albums? Um, I'm guessing that none of us probably got them on the day they came out. Uh, is there anybody among us that did? Ken? You know, I, I don't know if I got them the day they came out, but it was really close. Is either that or within a week? Or, or so. Oh, really? Yeah. I know I got them before, definitely before, you know, October, uh, before Phantom of the Park, at least. Um, uh, I went with a friend who, the friend who actually got me into uh, Kiss, and I remember we went to uh, the record store. I think he knew about it before I did. Um, he was <laughs> on top of it um, back then. But uh, yeah, we went there and it was around the time of the uh of the selling of, but the first time i went uh i only bought two of the four mm -hmm. and the first two i bought was were gene simmons and paul stanley because okay. i knew and I was still, you know, I was still getting hater. into kiss. Yeah. Ace and Peter Hater from the beginning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It's because I knew they, they sang most of the songs and wrote most of the songs. So I said, oh, I, I got to go for these two, and I like their songs anyway. So, um, so I went there, got that, got those two, and then I think about a week or two later, I ended up going back and getting uh, Ace and and Peter. And each time I went there, they gave you this bag this is the actual bag. bag that's cool uh plastic bag it survived uh you might be getting offers for that on the on the youtube comments yeah, i saw some oh, for 40 bucks 
I mean, they're, they're selling them. I saw that there's some guy was selling a couple of them for 40 bucks. So, you know, it's not bad. But it's just, you know, again, this is a plastic in the bag. So, Kiss produced a whole lot of these things uh, at the time. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how many they probably had at the record store that they were just going to get rid of them. You know, they wanted to get rid of them. But, yeah, so that was kind of a cool thing. So, that's, that's when I got the albums and then took them home and started listening though what about you lonnie well it's interesting because you know when you when you go to the record store as a kid you know you you, you flip through the tapes you flip through the the cds and mm. oh look at that and like you, you, you i i didn't I, I i was born in 79 so i wasn't i wasn't alive when, when the social mm. came out in 78 but as a as a young as a young a young Kiss fan going to the record store, I'd like, oh, look at this. There's all these solo albums, and you look at it, and like, oh, but what? I only have enough for one album. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I'll mm-hmm. buy. I'm gonna buy Love Gun today, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. And then my brother bought Gene Simmons. Was my introduction to the solo albums. We love Gene because you know Gene's. Yeah. As, as kids, of course, you love Gene. Because you know, you know, Gene, you know, Gene's the blood drooling demon, and you know, and his makeup looks the most cool. animated, right, and everything else. So, so, so Todd, my brother, he bought Gene. Now on on, on CD, it's probably like 90, 1991, maybe, maybe ninety, I don't know. And he was convinced. He he, he like puts the CD in. You know, and it starts off with radioactive, and it's mm. dark, and it's menacing. He's like, "Yes, this is why I bought jeans." <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes into radioactive, and he's like, "What?" And, you know? And then it goes up to burning up with fever, and it's just like, <laughs> "No, where, where, where's my demon?" <laughs> you know? And, and and he was convinced. He was convinced. That it wasn't Gene singing on these songs. Because that's not what Gene sounds like. A change of voice. That's Gene so sounds good. like God of Thunder and you know mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah. and and Plaster Caster and and almost human. That that's Gene. Like this it, he was convinced it wasn't even Gene singing for the longest time. <laughs> and I had to convince him that well no, go 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 listen to um go go listen to um Oh, what, what am I thinking of? Off Destroyer. Um, off of Great Expectations. Great yeah. Expectations. Thank you. And like th- that's Gene. And it, it, it took me a long time to convince him that it really was Gene because he was convinced for the longest time that it wasn't. So that was my introduction to the solo albums was, was, was my brother's disappointment in the Gene Simmons solo album. And then <laughs> he didn't, I, I think it turned him off so much yeah. that I was the one who bought the other three. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, so, you know, and I and I think I bought Paul, I think I bought Paul just because, you know, like, you know, I, I make fun of Ken, but it was the same reason. I'm like, well, it's Paul Stanley, you know, I'll, I'll buy the Paul Stanley one. The Paul Stanley one just, like, blew me away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very different experiences. My brother being very disappointed in Gene and me just being blown away by it. Yeah. Well, for me, and those are, those are great stories, by the way, guys, thank you. Uh, the, when I first was aware of them, let's put it this way. First, it was again my older sister Jane. We lived in an apartment building, and those, you know, the jean jacket guys that she used to hang around with, that we used to hang around with in the building. 
there was that one guy, I think I must have told this story a dozen times on this on here, but there was one guy who always had his Kiss albums on the wall in his bedroom. So my sister would be babysitting me, so she'd take me with her everywhere she went. So we went to this guy's house, and all her other friends were there too. And on the wall, I remember clearly, as like today, seeing double platinum on the wall and the four solo records beside the, on the wall. Mm-hmm. I'd always look at it and go, oh, that's pretty cool. What the hell? Those are records. I you know, I'm being a young little kid. I, I wasn't going to go grab it off the wall, this, you know, six-foot guy, long-haired, jean jacket. <laughs> I was like, not going to go grab his records, right? Um, fast forward to grade nine high school, I meet my friend, Mike Muehlberg. Uh He ends up being a singer in a band that we have later called Nasty Black. But when I first went to his house, when he called me over after we met at guitar class, hmm. uh, he said, can you come over to my house, man? We'll jam a bit. So I went over to his place. And like a time warp, on his wall, he had the four soul albums mm-hmm. again. But, you know, mm-hmm. now that we were buddies, I was like, hey, can I check those out? He's like, yeah, go ahead, man. So I grabbed them. And, of course, I pulled one out of the jacket, and it's just scratched to shit. Like, you could see, like, it's just, like, played, like, 7,000 times. Mm-hmm. And the other ones, too. And pretty, and the, Paul, the Peter Chris one was actually in pretty good condition. It wasn't played as much as the other ones. But, but they were all like really played and i was like so these things are good he goes yeah man these were my brother's copies he just gave them to me because they are like you know pretty shot up mm-hmm. now but i so, saw uh, that was my actual second time to see it and then i finally went and bought them on cd i had the same experience though as your brother because i bought gene first and I was like, ooh, what the hell? Like, I was so, like, literally when I got to the end and I heard Wish Upon a Star, I was like, okay. I was, like, ready to just check out completely at that point. But then, you know, a couple of my other other friends said, goes, you, you got that one? No, man, get Ace first. So I went back and I bought Ace, and then everything was right in the world. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And then I bought the other ones, and and that, that was kind of my introduction. It took seeing it a couple of times and then uh musician friends to kind of get me into it and i think when i got into it then that was god like 90s yeah probably like 91 or something that was when i first actually literally heard them so and don't forget i mean i when these when these albums came out i was five like five years old so i was pretty young so there was no way i was going to get them when they first came out so that so that's my introduction to the albums now of course the next question that everybody i'm sure is going to be asking is what is your favorite and what is your least favorite of the solo albums so let's go around the table ken what is your what is the order of favorite to least favorite (laughs) okay well you know (laughs) you know who's going to be my favorite but uh i still peter I still, I still love Gene Simmons' album, even though it's all over the place. You know, it's it's reactive, and then there's Beatlesque stuff on there. Um, it's just a lot of you know funkiness in it, and you know a song here. Um, it's just it's yeah, it's all over. It's not consistent, but I just love it because I. I think a lot of those songs are kind of, you know, very cool and different and great riffs um, and a lot of good performances on those songs by, of course, a lot of people he had on, on the, mm. a lot yeah. of guests playing, right, and, and so on. But uh, 
Yeah, Gene's the number one for me. Uh, it's kind of always been. I, I I just listened to it again. I was like, man, I really do like these songs. You know, I just always liked them. Um, so, but especially the the Beatles esque kind of stuff, I really really enjoy. And that's where you know he's doesn't do his normal Gene Simmons voice. So. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it, it's kind of a hard one, but I'm going to go with Paul Stanley as number mm-hmm. two for me. Um, I think there was a time I would have put Ace ahead of Paul, um, but listening to Aces again, it's 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 not as good as it was for me back back a ways. I mean, it's really good. Obviously, it's a great rock and album, but it's, I think Paul's is a better well written you know better written song songs and uh you know the lyrics of course are better and, and so on <laughs> uh so paul second ace is going to be third um and then peter list is going to fall for him though i like peter's a lot more than i did when i first listened to it way mm-hmm. back when i bought it uh it's grown on me more and more as i've listened to you know to the songs there's a, actually some pretty you know really good stuff and you know, can't go wrong. I, I like Peter's voice. I think he has a you know, great, unique mm-hmm. voice um, that they should have utilized a lot more on Kiss yeah. albums. But uh, that's the order for me. Lonnie, what is your order? Um, <laughs> my first one is Paul Stanley. I think that album is just an absolute masterpiece, in my opinion. Um, I think any one of those songs could have wound up on any Kiss record and sounded just fine and no one would have thought anything of it. I mean, I think between Tonight You Belong to Me, Hold Me, Touch Me, you know, Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, Goodbye, I think I think they're all just so great. Every one of them is, is, is a fantastic song. Um, and number two for me is Aces. And and similar to Ken, um, you would have asked me this question when I was in my late <laughs> teens or early 20s. I probably would have said Ace Frehley's first. But as time has gone on, I've, I've appreciated Paul's more than Aces. Um, and three is Gene. Um, I like Gene's. There's, there is some good stuff on it, but I, I, I just think Aces and, and Paul's are superior. And and Peter's is fourth, and I and and it's hard. I hate to put Peter's fourth, but you have to put somebody's fourth, unfortunately. And there is a lot of good stuff on Peter's, and similar to Ken, I appreciate it a whole lot more today than I did the first time I, I listened to it or when I first bought it. I was very dismissive of it, saying, "Ah, this isn't rock and roll. This isn't Kiss. I don't, you know." Mm-hmm. But I, I listen to it now, and you can hear the groove. You can hear the soul in that album. And that's a lot of what makes Kiss so unique and gives them such that that unique sound is Peter's drumming. So, you know, it, it's not fair, but you have to you have to rank somebody fourth. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, with me, uh, number one was always a rotation for me. It was either always Paul or Ace, um, depending on the mood I was in. Would depend on number one, but for the most part. I would say that it was a lot of the times it was ace number one for me. And I'll tell you why. Um, I love Paul's album. I think it has probably some of the best writing he's done, period, for anything Kiss-related. 
Uh, Tonight You Belong to Me is just an absolute barn burner, in my opinion. Uh, but the, the only thing on that album that always makes me kind of say, you know what, I, I think I'm going to like Aces better is I just can't handle Hold Me, Touch Me. It's just that ballad is just so syrupy. Mm-hmm. I can just see like the sap coming out of my speakers when it comes out. But I understand, you know, he's the star child and he's supposed to be the lover of the band. And, you know, with him putting an album out without any kind of ballad would have probably been unexpected. But I don't have a problem with ballads, but if he would have did it more like, you know, you know, Reason to Live or something a little bit less, you know, sappy, I think I would have probably accepted a lot better. I mean, Ace's album doesn't have anything like that. I mean, I think the closest thing to a stinker on Ace's album is probably a Wiped Out. I think that's it or Wipeout or whatever it is. I think that's mm-hmm. the only song that I kind of think is a, the weak one on that album. But other than that, and I mean, don't forget to being a guitar player, you know, I, I've always loved Ace's kind of lead playing, and and also I think the other thing that did it for me too is I think that I think that I that I think that Anton Fig was the superior drummer out of on the two records. I think that he was better than the drummers that Paul had on his mm-hmm. record, so that kind of stood out for me a bit more as well. But the rest of it from there is a complete no-brainer for me. I mean Ace, then Paul for sure. Like just Paul's like under like by like a millimeter, and then Gene. Is third. I mean, over the years, I've come to appreciate Gene's songs, you know. I mean, I used to hate Burning Up With Fever, and now I can actually tolerate it. <laughs> um, See You Tonight is, you know, it's good. I mean, it, no songs, like that song there, really capitalized from the MTV Unplugged, because I think it took a song that people were kind of like, eh, that's okay to like, yeah, I really like that song now, you know. Uh and then of course Peter Chris's album. <clears throat> Peter Chris's album came in last. When I first heard it, I thought it was terrible. I thought that he, the guy was nuts. Like, what the hell is he doing making a record like this? But then of course, when you learn through the years of because you know studying more about Kiss, you realize that you know this is the music that he grew up with. So mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense why he made this album. And there's some of the songs that I don't mind, like Hooked on Rock and Roll is good, and You Matter to Me is pretty good. You know, stuff like that. But it's far from an Ace or Paul album. So that's kind of my outlook on that. So uh, let's move on to what would you have done differently on these albums? Let's, would you have done something different musically? Would you have done something different with the artwork or anything like that? Let's go over to Ken first. Mm. Well, so starting from artwork, I think, they got it right. I mean, the artwork is, you know, really great. Those paintings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so that was well done. Keep them all the same. Um, I know they had to keep it all together where they put kiss on there and they weren't going to put the kiss logo on there. It was just going to be called, you know, so they're just going to be separate solo albums, but then they kept it as kiss. And one of the reasons they kept it as kiss is because they can knock out, a couple of albums on their contract <laughs> so you know two albums equal one or two, two of their solo yeah. albums equal one kiss album two solo albums you know so they knocked out actually two kiss albums by doing that uh, off their contract um yeah i i would have you know otherwise i think it 
I wouldn't have done everything. I mean, you can't really tell them what to do musically. I mean, they're they're artists, you know. They're gonna they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Um, uh, I guess the the real problem is, was it the right thing to do from the from a record company uh, standpoint? Um, at least going all in like uh, Neil Bogart, right? Mm. Went all in on it, and and they did. They they they. The real problem was they put out so many records, they pressed so many, you know, whatever it is. I guess the number from if you look at the, you know, you know Julian Gill's great book here, um, yes. <laughs> put that on there. Uh, you know, I think it's five point three million pressed. That's a lot mm-hmm. of records. I would have never have. That's just crazy. Um, for a couple of points is uh, first of all. A Kiss album would sell one to two million anyway. So why would you, you know, how are you going to expect the kids, these young kids who are getting into the group to have enough allowance or whatever to buy four albums instead of like, they may may, may only be able to buy one a month, possibly, um, saving up their money. So that's something I changed. I wouldn't have shipped that much. I would have shipped like 500 of each, right? Five hundred thousand of each would be would have been, and they probably would have, you know, done fine. But you know, so, so that's it. As far as the, you know, some people could say don't do it, don't do the solo albums at all, and just put it on. But yeah, I think Kiss just, you know, they were really a turmoil in the in the band at the, at time, and it's probably the best thing um, for yeah. them, or else they might have actually broken up. So. Yeah, that's, that's a, those are all valid and excellent points. Lonnie, what do you think? You know, there was a lot of hubris and a lot of arrogance going on with Kiss <laughs> at the time that they would say, yeah, let's ship all these millions of albums at once. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like, like Ken said, like, a good Kiss album might sell a million. It might sell two million albums. But to ship four or 5.3 million albums all at the same time, that, that, that's, that's very arrogant and very humorous thinking that, oh, yeah, this is going to work. <laughs> and what I would have done, to, and, and, like, and, and again, who's buying these records? It's Kiss had, Kiss had lowered their demographic, and they were, they were appealing to a younger and younger audience at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's foolish to think that... A, a 12 or 15 year old or even a 16 year old kid who has, who, who may have a part-time job while he's in high school can afford to go and buy four records the day they come out. Mm. It, it's, it's just not there. Even the 16 year old who, who's working part-time, you know, I, I might've buy I might've bought, you know, I wasn't buying four records a week when I was 16 and, and, and I was buying <clears throat> CDs, but I wasn't buying four CDs at a time in 1996. I remember when the reissues came out in 97 for the CD. Um, <clears throat> and they would reissue four at a time. It was kiss, how than hell, dress to kill and alive. <laughs> and I thought, I can't afford to go buy, buy four CDs next week. It's the same thing. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's true. For, for a high school kid or, or, or a kid in early college. You're not having money. So to expect 
that the same thing in 1978, I think, was unfair. And and I think that they they were so big and so out of touch with reality that they thought, oh, of, co- of course it's going to work. This, this is Kiss. We're the biggest band on the planet. <laughs> if we release four albums in the same day, well, people are going to go buy four albums. Mm-hmm. You know, in 91, when Guns N' Roses released Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2 on the same day, I didn't go mm-hmm. buy both of them that day. <laughs> I bought Use Your Illusion 2, my brother bought Use Your Illusion 1, and yeah. we did what every brother tandem in the world did. We went home and made cassette <clears throat> copies for each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, that's what I would have So what I would have done differently is maybe release, maybe release Gene and Peter in September, and then maybe release Paul and Ace in October, and make mm-hmm. it a little bit easier on on somebody the problem maybe maybe, maybe that's not as big and, and grand you know the problem the problem is if we if you released like jeans or, or peters first, they're gonna get pissed people off people are gonna say it. all right the rest of the albums are gonna be, be the same as these because it's they're it's just no, totally I not like kiss and i get it i get it i totally get it <laughs> but then but they I really would have taped even more but yeah i get it but i i just think releasing four albums there, there's a reason you know we always say that Oh, no band had ever done that before. No band has ever done it since. There's, well, there's a, reason. a reason. There's a reason for that. Yeah. It's because yeah. it's too much. It's just too damn much. Yeah. So I, I would have Absolutely. rethought how you how you how you how you marketed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good points there. I mean, the the main point of it is the demographic has lowered. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a less chance, obviously, of buying all four at once, and. You know, like you said, it's it's crazy to think that people would that they think that people would go and do that. You know, and I mean, even years later, like you said, Lose Your Losers came out the two just the two records, and people didn't buy both records. So there's a lot of people that didn't buy both records. I didn't buy it. I bought two, and then I bought one much later again. But I think that they made one mistake, in my opinion. And I could be wrong. People could say, no, no, that, that wouldn't have any factor. But I thought about this for a little while. And that is, these albums came out, what was it, like the 21st of September? Or something? That's around this time, anyways, that 21st. these records came out. Yeah, 21st of September, these records came out. On October 28th, 1978, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the yeah. Park came out. Mm-hmm. What I think they should have did was waited till that came out first, and then they should have released it because Maybe. I think that say what you will about the, the the movie itself, yeah, it's cheesy or whatever, but I guarantee you a lot of kids stayed up and watched that and were like, "Wow, did you see that? Kiss was on TV, man!" You know, and don't forget the lower demographic; it probably worked perfect for them. What do you think the chances are that, let's say, a couple days later? They released these records in the store and they put during the showing because, you know, Kiss could have done this easy. Commercial break himself. Coming next Tuesday, the Kiss solo album. And, you know, buy your Kiss things next week at Walmart or Kmart or whatever. Uh, And then back to your regular schedule, your program at Kiss Meets the Phantom. So now kids are saying, oh, my God, there's solo records coming out. Mommy, mommy, we have to go to the store and get these Kiss records now because look at how cool they are on TV. I think that they should have used that 
to push the solo records. I think that if they would have did that, then a lot of more younger kids would have probably went in there, pulled their mom and dad into their stores and said, there it is, there it is. And then they, okay, Tommy, you can, you can get one. No, I need to get all four. No, no. But you know what? Maybe a kid would have succeeded in convincing mom to buy two at one time. Maybe or maybe you would have got... Yeah, or maybe convince you know mom and grandma who might be shopping with them as well. Okay, mom will buy you two, and grandma will buy you a third one. You know, but at least kids have that power over adults where they can say, okay, yeah, okay, well, well, I mean, you know, not every parent, but you know, some some parents are like that. You know, where, where their kids ask you if they give them the dodo eyes, then they might do it, right? But and especially if they're especially if they're younger, I think that sometimes they can get away with it, but. In in any case, I think that more of them would have flew out the shelves and stayed in people's shelves, especially since they were younger kids, than what ended up happening of the ship, shipping five million and returning four million of them of them later to Casablanca. So that that to me is the one thing that I would have did differently because the music of it I have no issues with, the packaging of it I have no issues with. You know, the inserts and all that stuff, I think all of it was fine. It, it's a KISS record in every other way that matters. But I think the one thing that they, they, they failed on is that they could have used their television savvy at that point to help push the album. You know, because they've always done these little, you know, commercials. Mm -hmm. We've seen them all on YouTube already. You know, yeah. Modern in Hell. Da -da -da -da. The little commercials. Could you imagine the commercial they could have did that ABC could have played or NBC played or whatever? NBC, in yeah. between the, the showing of the phantom mm -hmm. i mean that could have been perfect you know and, and I, I guarantee you they could have got some kind of deal on it too because you know they're they're showing their movie on and blah you know the, look at we could probably talk an whole hour on phantom in this in relation <laughs> but it, it, it's unbelievable that they i just think that they didn't do that kind of approach to it yeah, any yeah. comments on that yeah i know i think that's a, a good idea actually that's good marketing uh idea to do that you just catch them and and let them you know get them excited for it by watching that uh that uh, movie um another mm -hmm. thing they could have done with part of that is they could have you know how they, they put ship so many well if you're going to ship five million why don't you do one million if you're going to actually do that many one million of each and then one the final million would be like a compilation of songs like you know like the best of the solo album. but don't call it the best just call it something else but it, but don't say it's the best of because then they're not going to want to buy their other ones maybe you said yeah. oh okay they can hear some of the you can put some of the best stuff on there trick the kids <laughs> trick the kids and then they'll all go and buy the rest of them <laughs> there you go nice if you're gonna that's if you're gonna do five million that's what i Deceive the the fan base. It's what, it's what the, the fan voice base. of reason says to do. Yes, yeah, deceive the fan, the fan base. base. <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. What what's the difference? They're just stupid kids, right? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So with that said, we kind of talked about now, you know, what what are the, you know, what our favorites are and stuff like that as far as the albums are concerned. And earlier on, you saw me hold up this best of the kiss solo albums record now we were discussing before we did this podcast about putting together our own best of kiss album that you know what we feel would be an appropriate best of kiss album so let's go through our selections 
that we did for our best of solo records. Now, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to just go and say what we all had and then talk about them, or do you want to go song by song? It's up to you guys. Let's, Let's just say what we have. Okay, so yeah. who wants to go? So how about how about we get Lonnie to go first and tell us what you chose as your Kiss best of solo? Well, the, the rules were that... Were there rules? There, there yeah. were rules. There were rules. Oh, no. That we had to choose eight songs. Eight, yeah. Two from each solo record. Yeah, so it's essentially our two favorite songs from each solo record. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I chose Radioactive Mm -hmm. and See You Tonight from Jeans. Mm -hmm. Two very different songs, but very good. uh, From Paul's, I chose Tonight You Belong to Me and Wouldn't You Like to Know Me. From Aces, I chose Speeding Back to My Baby and Rip It Out. And from Peters, I chose You Matter to Me and I Can't Stop the Rain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from Aces, it would have been really... Uh, me from, I don't know, even 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, I would have put New York Groove on there as opposed to maybe Speeding Back to My Baby. But I really like Speeding Back to My Baby. I think it's really upbeat and and, and very catchy. And, and Rip It Out is, is just very hard and heavy and, and just it, it just grabs you right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I Can't Stop the Rain. I really love I Can't Stop the Rain from the last song off of Peter's. I think it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a perfect ending to that album. And he mattered to me is very catchy, very jazzy, and I think it very it, it, it fits Peter and it fits his music influence very well. Um, from Paul's Tonight You Belong to Me, Wouldn't You Like to Know Me? I think Wouldn't You Like to Know Me is pretty heavy. Um, sounds like it could be on any KISS record. And Tonight You Belong to Me starts off really slow and then and then ramps up, almost kinda like like I Want You off of Rock and Roll. Mm, yeah. And then Gene um, radioactive and see you tonight. Uh, ra- radioactive. I really love the intro. Obviously, it's very dark, very demonic, and radioactive itself is just is just a very good song. And then I really like see you tonight because it really shows off his his Beatles influence. Yeah, I, I think I think Gene does a really good job on this solo album, um, showing off his influence as as does Peter as well. Peter Peter and Gene, um, although they're probably the least two. Um, like solo albums, I think they they really showcase their influence and showcase <clears throat> why why they are who they are and where they're at. Yeah, yeah, of course. Great. So what say you guys? So Ken, what were your selections for this fine record? Yeah, well, I I like uh, Lonnie's picks. I think they're pretty good. Yeah, watch it. You got up and walked out. I think yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, 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 I was disgusted. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the other, uh, before I do my songs, I just thought of something. Well, and I grabbed. It's funny, I grabbed this one, but this one actually is a a signed copy of uh, Gene Simmons. Um, but uh, the, the just another quick thing is that what they did right and wrong. But this is kind of cool. The right, you know, they put the the uh, face, the face on, on, there, on the... right on yeah. the label right which is kind of cool the other thing that i 
don't care for that they did. Um, and this is another ploy to have get the kids to buy more, right? Mm -hmm. Is to make oh, the poster a puzzle. So you have to interconnect, you know. It's Kiss. You have to buy them all. <laughs> these, yeah. These little notches right here, you know. I would have rather they just, I don't know, either not done that, make it a regular poster, or combine the four together and just make one poster and put them in the, you know, I don't know. I, no. I, I didn't like the fact that, they, you know. Now, one thing really quickly, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember here, because uh, I have the U.S. ones here and I have the Canadian ones as well. I don't think the Canadian ones had that jigsaw thing. I think they might have had just regular posters of them. I don't remember. I could uh, be wrong about that. Don't do I have a Canadian copy? I don't think I have a Canadian copy of the... So, I, I do have it, but I didn't bring it. I just brought up the Japanese one, and I brought up that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so, so I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. Not really, but, you know, I, mean, I just thought... I mean, that was just... I mean, yeah, and then you buy yeah. it, of course. But anyway, uh, all right, so my songs. <laughs> yes. I just, I just thought of that about the puzzle poster. I thought, oh, yeah, that's the one thing I didn't like. Um, all right, my songs, no particular order. Uh, let's see, from Paul's album, I picked Tonight You Belong to Me and Goodbye. So the first and the mm -hmm. last song from the album. Um, both, I think, are really great, great songs, obviously. Um, uh, for Gene, uh, I didn't go with the obvious, um, like Radioactive, you know. I, actually, Radioactive is probably my favorite song of it when I first got the, that album, but uh other songs then over time you know for became better to me um yeah. so the two gene songs see you tonight and mr mm -hmm. make-believe so oh, cool two beatles kind of you know songs yeah. very cool songs uh, i love them both uh then from ace ace was kind of difficult except for the first song easy was rip it out i mean it's just barn burner you know yeah. out the gate great song great rocker um and uh i was kind of like lonnie you know you know new york groove was always you know a catchy hit kind of song but i didn't go with the obvious uh i went with Snowblind. Uh, i really like that song um yeah how it descends in the in the court and the uh verses and then then where it goes into its break in the middle, uh, just a total, mm -hmm. uh, you know, change in tempo and, and then yeah. a great soloing uh, in that section. And then it kicks back, you know, in the rest. So like that one. Uh, and then for Peter, um, and there's a lot, you know, it's a lot of decent songs there. Um, I picked I'm Gonna Love You. I, I like that song a lot. And then probably my favorite song on the album is... Uh, don't you let me down i picked that one so, baby don't, don't you let, let me, me down, down. Yeah, don't you, you know you did that video where he was singing to it recently where he was singing to his uh his don't album you leave me lonely. yeah i really like that song oh, blah, 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 blah. exactly <clears throat> yeah frank sinatra cool. singing yeah too. Very, cool. very good I, I like that now when i did my list of course you know i I, I immediately assumed that it was going to be some sort of order, so th that's just on, just my fault. I didn't make it more specific as far as what to do, okay. but um, I did a side A, side B. So for my 
side A, I picked to start Tonight You Belong to Me from Paul's album. Now, I always thought that that was a great opener, whether it was a Paul Stanley solo thing or it could have been a great Kiss song. I could see it opening a Kiss album easy if Kiss had done that song. So I think that we're all in agreement. I think all of us picked that song in our selections. So I think that's one that we saw eye to eye on. Next up was True Confessions from mm-hmm. Gene. Uh, it's a song that I didn't, I wasn't too hip on when I first heard it, but through the years I've kind of gotten to like it. It's kind of, you know, gets the feet stomping there a bit, you know, mm-hmm. when it goes through there. And, you know, it, it's one of those songs where I think if he was to redo this song now, I think he would make it a little different. I think he probably would make it a bit heavier. Probably would have lost the female singers and just, yeah. you know, you know, make it more current. So, I but I think it's a good song. Even for that point, I mean, I was thinking album structure too. So, you know, start off with a good song and then follow it up with another kind of upbeat sort of song. Uh, number three, I put in a Peter song, of course, because even back in the day, you kind of want something a little bit more laid back. But I didn't put a totally laid back song in there. I put Hooked on Rock and Roll, you know, on there from Peter. I thought it was a, I think it's one of those better upbeat songs on there, you know, vaccinated with a victrola needle. I think that's always a great, that's a great line that. So Mm -hmm. uh, I've always found that a catchy song in that way. And to close out the side, I put Rip It Out from Ace. Now, usually people would say, Rip It Out, we should put that to start the side. But, you know, this is side one, you know. Ending with was ending side one like that's probably like wow man this is fucking great record I can't wait for side two you know and when you end it on that kind of a high note you know and you got to deliver on side two so we flip the side over and it starts off with radioactive the full version including the wah, 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 okay. da, 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 all that stuff at the beginning yeah right so uh and what are we gonna say I mean everybody I think picked radioactive except for Ken but I think that he would have picked it if if I would have said, you know, pick three songs from each album, I think yeah, I Radioactive would have been on uh, have on yeah. Ken's list. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great song, great opener. I think that's the one time in the album when everybody first bought it where they were not disappointed. We're like, okay, you know, it's not God of Thunder, but it's pretty cool. Expected. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, right after that, I put Ain't Quite Right. Now, I've always found that song to be a very interesting song for Paul because Paul likes to do his sort of upbeat things like really like, yeah, believe in yourself. Woo. You know, you know, all these great open chords and stuff, or he likes to do his kind of baby. I love you ballady things. But this song is kind of somewhere in the middle where it's kind of like a little bit more laid back. very bluesy. That whole little lead thing that Bob Kulik does on there. Very, very bluesy song mid-tempo which Paul doesn't normally do too much mid-tempo I find mm-hmm. with him uh, so interesting sort of approach on the songwriting for that so I, I, I li- I've always liked that song and it was going to be uh, it was between that and uh, I forget what the song what the first song on side 2 is it's all that's alright it's alright it's alright that's it yeah, it was either yeah, it was between yeah. those two but this one kind of beat it out uh, then for side for song three, I had another Peter song, and I picked You Matter to Me. Now, mm-hmm. You Matter to Me is sort of, again, a sort of upbeat thing, very disco-y. 
you can see it on you can expect it on something like you know saturday night fever or something like that it's very mm-hmm. you know danceable and stuff like that but I, I always thought it had a good hook to it you know you mattered to me and that's why and th- i mean if yeah. you can remember it now even without oh, yeah. listening to it then you know it's catchy right uh so that was that and then last on the list i put speeding back to my baby i've always liked that song i always thought it was a a cool song and the fact that he had his wife singing backup vocals on there with him was kind of interesting you know Jeanette Jeanette really there so uh, I always thought that it was an interesting combination especially how Ace was back in the day I don't think he would, he would call him a faithful husband even back then but you know he, he believed in his wife enough to have her come and sing so uh, great stuff so and I, I've, I've liked that song and it's short it's to the point yeah it's very mm-hmm. upbeat and what a great way to end the record. So those are my uh, picks for the solo record end of things. Uh, any surprises, you think, from each other's list? Is there anything that you kind of say, well, I, I, I can't believe you picked that? No, I'm well, I'm kind of surprised. Ain't quite right. Uh, but, you know, it's a good song. Uh, but you know, I just didn't figure you would you would pick that one. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Otherwise. I think we're pretty much lockstep a lot of the ways. Yeah, uh, most of you know, most good, of it. Yeah, good songs are good songs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, the last topic that we're going to talk about when it comes to this solo album thing is something that I did that we didn't put down on the list to talk about. Okay. But I, I thought it was important to talk about this, and we'll end it on this. Is do you think that they should have went out and did a tour? based on the solo albums do you think they should have made a tour or they said you know what we're done the phantom thing this is all finished it's all wrapped up you know i think you know we should go out and do some touring behind this stuff you know we we, we don't have to exclusively play just solo songs you can throw in a couple mm-hmm. of kiss songs in there but let's go out and play a set list comprising of a lot of the stuff like kind of like let's put it this way like the like the songs that we've picked in our lists they had that many songs in their kiss and in their on the tour, but but then supplemented with it, let's say another three more kiss songs from the catalog. Do you think that that would have been a wise move to do or not? Let's start with Lonnie. No, I think it was a wise move that they didn't do any touring from the solo albums. They had done so much touring from from Kiss to Higher Than Hell, Alive, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, Alive Too. They had done so much touring. I think America needed the break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Dynasty tour is proof of that. I mean, they, they did tour for Dynasty. Dynasty sold well. They came back. They were super kissed. You know, could, could the, and the Dynasty tour could have sold better, in, all, in honest opinion. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I think giving America the break was wise. And they were able to build their dynasty tour as the return of Kiss, mm-hmm. where had you toured for the solo albums and then toured for Dynasty, and they're like, are these guys ever off the freaking road? <laughs> so, I I think it was wise to to give Amer- to give the touring a break, and the and to give Kiss a break from each other at the same time as well. So I think I think it was wise. Now before we go to Ken, don't worry, we're gonna get to you, my friend. Yeah. Do you think? that that's also the reason why uh, when they came back for Unmasked that they decided, okay, forget America, let's just do Europe. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they did that because they might have thought even with Dynasty that they might have came back too early? 
Lonnie. Oh, I don't know if you're talking. About <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, following that. Possibly, possibly, because <laughs> the the dynasty tour didn't sell as well as they thought it would. And I and I and I agree. That's part of the reason why they didn't say, okay, well, new album, new tour, let's go. Um, <laughs> I I think that their management and their record company was smart and said, you know, let's 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 push back a minute because let's let's not expose ourselves and mm. and play to half empty arenas. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. What about you, Ken? So what do you think? Do you think they should have did a tour? And what do you think about the whole Unmasked thing, too? Yeah. I think if they if they would have done a tour in 78, they would have had to do their regular set list pretty much. Maybe just throw in a couple of the songs from the solo. I mean, it probably would have sold well still uh, at that point. Um, but, uh, and it probably would have been sold better than uh, <laughs> Dynasty anyway. Um, but I think, yeah, they were burnt out. You know, like Lonnie said, they they were touring and touring and touring. So um, I think the big problem was, you know, after the solo albums, I mean, let's face it, they probably just should have done a rock album at that point. But but they did the solo albums and and then Dynasty, they kind of put another nail in the coffin with the, uh, you know, I Was Made For Loving You. You know, people were hoping for you know, back to a real rock album, I think, at that point, and that's not what they got. They got Dynasty, Um, so that didn't do well. Um, And then, like, you know, you're talking about Unmasked, and and it's it's just another, again, I think because of Dynasty didn't do too well touring, they had a hard time getting people to promoters to buy into for unmasked um based on how they were doing so yeah they they couldn't do it but yeah so 78 definitely they needed a break and maybe they just needed a break and they shouldn't have done the albums at all but we got the albums i i love the albums um yeah. but you know it's you know hindsight's 2020 <laughs> but uh yeah. it, it's it, it's part of you know history as they say now so yeah um anyway well well i kind of thought to myself when i thought of this just now well if if what it would have happened like let's say hypothetically that they did what i mentioned earlier that they put out the phantom of the park and then they put out the solo records i think they might have had slightly better sales and you know what it is with them they were burnt out like you said and they didn't want to tour peter wanted to get the hell out of there so did ace at one point as well and you know, sometimes when something becomes successful, it sometimes changes your mind a bit, right? When you're like, oh, shit. Like if they would have turned around and said, okay, each of the solo records did sell their projection of, let's say, five and a half million copies, then maybe they might have been like, oh, shit, okay, we got, we're got we really onto something. And maybe a tour would have been a, a right thing to do at that time. But I think the whole problem with it was the fact that they just didn't, they weren't interested in the band, those guys. So no matter what happened, I think that touring would have been a, probably a big mistake at that point to do, yeah. regardless of solo records. How, yeah, how is that going to, you know, doing, thinking about it, how is the Force solo albums, they're, they're already kind of at each other's throats and stuff, and they're yeah. getting tired of it. How is doing solo albums where you're going to put them all the same down and compete against each other going <laughs> to help them become a, a solid 
kiss you know one for all, all for you know all for one, that, one for all. That's an excellent point. It's they, like they should have just taken the break. That was they should yeah just taking a break and give some time away from each other because actually it, it even even made it worse because they're being more competitive and then Ace I'm has so, this, so Ace has this big ones. hit. Yeah, yeah. Ace, Ace has this big hit. Like, ah, see, see, you know. I, then he knows I can go out. I can go on my yeah. own. You know, yeah, so. that spawned the whole problem with him. And then there was always like little, even little minutia things that were like causing issues. Like, look at the Peter Chris record. He's the only one who had like a separate insert, lyrical insert. None of the other guys had it too. Oh, yeah. So of course, you know, you know what Peter is. He right. has to make sure he has something better than the rest of the guys on his, right? And he had two so, singles too. Yeah, there, there you go. See, there you go. And, you know, the whole touring of the Europe for Unmasked, I think, was a good idea for them to do. And I think you're right. I think the answer to all this here that we just talked about was forget the solo records. Take a break for a year or two. Go back and make what make a record, whether it was Unmasked or whatever it was at that point. Make the record and just go to Europe and Australia. If they would have just did that, the response would have been probably a lot stronger. They would have been probably in a better mood because look at how they felt about Australia. I mean, that that tour impacted mm-hmm. them on a very positive level. They still talk yeah. about that tour to, to this day. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So if they would have just started off and did that area and maybe, you know, did it a couple more times. Okay, they did it in mass, it was done. Here's an odd thing. Imagine they would have did that, came back, the tour, okay, we're great. Going back in the studio, they didn't do The Elder. They did another rock record. And they went back and played Europe again and Australia and didn't play America again and left them out of the picture. You know what I mean? Would it have become one of those things where, you know, they would have become, like, wanted desperately by the audience? Like, okay, what the hell's going on? They're not playing America anymore. And then the audience would have came back. You know, who knows? This is all speculation. But I always wonder about those kind of things. Like, if they would have stayed away for a little while, you know, did a record, toured Europe, did another record toured Europe, you know, because look mm-hmm. at look at look at Queen. For a while they were playing both, and then they just got fed up with, you know, dwindling audiences in America, and they said fuck it, and they just stayed in Europe, yeah, and played all the time. So, you know, you got to go where the money is, I guess, right? Right. So, so there you go. There's our look at the solo albums. Uh, very interesting to kind of look back on this and think about how they affected us in so many different ways. What do we, you know, look at just now, our little the discussion at the end of what could have been and what should have been or what we thought could have happened. You know, this is the kind of discussions I love having with these guys. And I'm sure you people out there enjoy listening to these. I'm pretty sure. Uh, leave your comments uh, below to let us think what, what you think of the episode. Let us know what you think about our thoughts. Do you think that we're nuts? Do you think we're on point? You know, let us know your song selections for your own best of solo album and uh yeah i I think that this album just to summarize and to wrap things up here i think that while there are some you know negative points to this release i I still love these records i still go back to them and listen to them once in a while Mm. you know whether it's on vinyl or cd so i i would rather live in a kiss world with them than without them to be sure and uh yeah i i think that uh the guys here would probably agree to that as well. I agree. So, so yeah, so let's leave it at that. Uh, and we will probably see you all next week, I'm sure. Whether Julian will be back or not, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm guessing he might be back next week. 
But until then, on behalf of myself and Ken and Lonnie, we thank you for watching. Please subscribe if you have not subscribed to the channel yet. And, uh, you know, spread the word. Put a like, give us a thumbs up. It helps get the uh, show viewed more often and all that stuff. So thank you very much for watching, and we will see you all next time. Bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.